And now it's time to bait our hooks, cast our nets, drop our poles in the water, and fish for some jokes with Down on the Dock. We're back. It's very throaty. It was. It's very throaty. That that we're we're, uh, we're oh, back man. went through a lot of phlegm. <laughs> Dave, surgery's coming up, buddy. Once I get that surgery, there's going to be no more post nasal drip for you to laugh at. You blew out your ring and your uvula. Uh, it's they're doing it all. Tonsillectomy and I'm getting a nose job. Uh, what a fucking cool thing to do <laughs> it's not dude. a nose job it's so guys cool, man. guys i don't know if you can man, tell they're gonna but remove the fucking <laughs> Dave, <there's laughs> had a couple animals no, this might, that. might even be the most baked i've ever seen him welcome to down wow. on the docks episode 76 my name is chris neff you've already heard mr giggles over there <laughs> uh my producing uh and uh partner and um co-host <laughs> yeah dave don't dave, worry about dave, it sarah how are you buddy what's up dude how's it going man <laughs> i'm great be, what's I'm wrong great. buddy no nothing's wrong um All right, come on we uh Let's get to we it. apologize Golsky, for getting baby <laughs> get a Golsky. we apologize we're late this week uh yeah. we had some uh scheduling conflicts my mommy's back dave <laughs> dave's mom's back my so mommy's he's eating back. good food and he's not uh ordering food. from pizza hut every it's night just to that. feed his family there's like you know yeah Anyway, so uh, this is part two. Logistics. This is part two of Struggle, the mm -hmm. art, uh, the life and lost art of Zukalski, directed by Irek Dobrolowski, which we, we, we will get into. Which this documentary has no parts to it, by the way. It's just a part. It's right. just itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it's, is a documentary. I'll do my job. You do yours. This is two parts. Guys, if no, you're listening and you parts. haven't listened to us before, you're going to want to back up to episode 75 for yeah. part one of Riveting. our discussion on this podcast. Now, Dave, best episode. a lot of people are saying it is your best episode. <laughs> But for those that just discovered this episode from your best episode, uh, because somebody said, I need you to hear this podcast because this guy Dave's hysterical. Can you tell our new listeners what Down on the Docks is? Guys, we're a podcast. Chris watches documentaries and then tries to get me to watch them and explains them to me. That's right. And how many Actually, he explains them so much that I don't <laughs> want to watch them afterwards. There's just so much... I get the whole transcript, basically. That's right. You read do. to me. Yeah. <laughs> so, this is human audiobooks for shit I don't want to listen to. Okay. But you might want to listen to it. That's correct. But if you do want to listen to it, come to Down the Docks, listen to an episode, find us on Spotify, on Apple iTunes, leave us a review, five star. Mm -hmm. Or you can leave us a comment on Spotify. Everything helps. Shit no matter us, what platform. It's fine. You know what, Dave? We'll we're gonna stop. Five star. We're gonna stop asking people to say how bad you are. That's no. a new change going on around. No, no, here. no, no, no. I like it. Okay, <clears throat> I stole that from somewhere else. Of course, you steal everything. That's not true. Oh, my dude, last that's time not true. <laughs> okay. Anyway, I don't steal shit, guys. If you're a fan of the show, follow us on Twitter. Still at down on the docks, <laughs> and uh, on Instagram that's at down on the docks pod. And then, of course, you can find us. 
if you need to email us at downonthedocs at gmail.com. Join the Discord if you want to see yeah. all the great memes that Retard Sexual oh, Blowtorch 68 kicks out. The ones that you can't and see. Special Discord shout out to Mr. Barbecue Sauce and Schwilly B yeah. for reminding us that our ad read for Broccoli Farms needs to be changed because they've been in business for more than 10 years. We will do that next week. Speaking of our sponsor, Dave, would you like to tell our listeners who this week's episode is sponsored by? This week's episode of Down on the Docks is brought to you by Broccoli Farms, established in 2016 San Diego, California, by cannabis entrepreneur Anthony Bird. Broccoli Farms is a modern take on cannabis brands around the world. By combining new terminology involving cannabis worldwide, Anthony created a <laughs> cannabis brand that uniquely represents the entire cannabis industry as one. Broccoli Farms. Are you sure it's not cannabis industry as four, maybe? The lowest delivery minimum in San Diego. Fair prices and quality products makes Broccoli Farms one of the best deliveries in San Diego for almost a decade. Be sure to mention, we got to change that to a decade pretty yeah. soon. Yeah, good point. <laughs> Be sure to mention Down on the Docks podcast for 15% off your next order, along with first-time patient gifts and rewards. Fuck that pussy. <laughs> Check them out today on Instagram at broccolifarm619 and daves.sarah. All right, Dave, when we left off, you're always baked. When we left off, um, we were, we uh, left Zukalski. I left off a few minutes ago, dude. We left Zukalski and um, Zukalski revealed that he'd worked on the movie King Kong. Wow. In 1933. Amazing. And, uh, you know. What did he do? He did sets. Wow. He did a lot of uh, the background that shit's art. That so fucking cool, man. Uh-huh. Would you ever, like, consider... Imagine, like, you're just a guy. How do you even become a studio? You just, you start off... A guy that made shit like that just uh-huh. started off as a dude doing that in his garage. Sort of like Beetlejuice. Yeah, it He's also like helps build, when you're friends with, and then with, with and people. I mean, there's sure. a lot of people I know that work in Hollywood. And yeah. I'm like, how'd you get in? And they were Nepotism. like, same way Just everybody like else gets in. Yeah. Judges, dude. That's yeah. how I mean, a lot of these judges. There's no way I'd be a judge in, in modern society. Just, They're too dangerous to get be, killed. It's not just be a judge, but like having people work for It's usually people that the judge knows or like another judge knows. That Absolutely. Needs that. And then you work for a judge for a couple of years and you, you're qualified for the bar. You never even have to go to law school. Okay. Anyway. Loop. Let's Hole. go to Los Angeles. This is the early 30s. Yeah. Um, George I wasn't Dicap- even born yet. <laughs> well, George uh, DiCaprio says by the early 30s, Ben Hecht was really uh, a top dog in a lot of ways. He mm-hmm. won Oscars, uh, three nominations. And Glenn says, Stas used to tell me that Ben Hecht always tried to get him into the Hollywood system. Ben Hecht, that's right. Yeah, the screenwriter. Yeah, yeah. First of all, he did a few things in some films, but he had no interest. He says... I just want to do my sculpture. Uh, I want to do my work. Uh, well, time to meet Brian Tucker, who's an art historian and curator. Tuck. And he says, Zukalski at this point was actually a respected and active member of the art community. Okay? So at this point in the early 30s, he's like in his mid-30s. You know, born in 90, 1893. So you got to figure he's this... He's, he's doing well. People know him. He's in his mid-30s. Yeah. Well, Robert Williams, he says, <laughs> so he wasn't completely lost in Hollywood. I just think he scared the shit out of him. Right. And he gets an exhibit, exhibition rather, at the Los Angeles Museum, which I'm assuming is the old 
well, the new Los Angeles County Museum. Which is what, like the... LACMA, you know. Oh, yeah, okay. I would assume it's the equivalent of that. Well, Lena says, a knot of visitors clustered about a short, muscular man with dancing blue eyes, a mass of blonde hair, and an aggressive nose. The man talks rapidly. The people listen as to an oracle. Did you call my nose aggressive? No, not at all. Oh, okay. No. Cool. Stas says, Director of your museum said that the museum never experienced such crowds as those who came to my exhibition. And Lena says, you know, Zukowski, he's very successful in Hollywood, but he was a patriot and he loved Poland. So he always wanted to go back and be received with open arms. So Stasz and Joan, they go back and forth to Poland three to four more, uh, four times during his life. Uh-huh. Now, do you remember uh, Piotr Rispin? Sure, because you keep pronouncing his name wrong. It's just Peter. Okay. <laughs> He's the director of the National Museum in Warsaw, and he says, if we do not combine Zukalski from America with Zukalski from Poland, which in a way are two different persons, we'll be left with only half of the man. In those days, he was a modernist. I would say he was cosmopolitan. And in Poland, he was taking on the garb of this weird nationalist tribe leader. Okay? Do you remember the heart of the horned frogs? No. Yeah. <laughs> he had this oh, little, yeah. little jumpsuit uh, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Kind of like underoos. Right, 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 right. Okay. Wait, I have a question. Yeah. So, like, up, up until right now, uh-huh. <clears throat> what do we know about his art? Well, don't forget, there's the struggle. Which is the claw with the four fingers. So how big is that thing? Uh, It's five times a normal hand. So it's pretty big. I think they said it was five times a normal hand. Five times a normal hand. All right. Okay. It's not that big. And then we have some other pieces, of course. Okay. Yeah. trying to imagine how big that would be. Uh, This big. I'm stretching out my arm. Is it really that that big? It's five times a normal hand. That doesn't seem like five times. Well, it's not just a hand. It starts from the elbow, remember? Okay. So you just multiply that by five. It's probably 10 feet long, I'm guessing. Okay. Maybe longer. The arm, the elbow is okay. different. Sorry. Yeah. That was just a hand. Well, (laughs) Peter Piotr continues (laughs) and said, he probably has hidden somewhere deep this bohemian young artist from Chicago. It's... I think, an identity process. Now, that makes sense, Dave. We all go through changes in our life, okay? We all go through different periods. Everybody has a period that they went through that they were like, God, I can't believe I used to wear bell bottoms, you know? Or, God, I can't believe I, you know, used to be a dirtbag in high school and, you know, listened to fucking docking or whatever it is, okay? So do me a favor. Can you pull up? Uh, the Rooster of Gaul. Have you ever heard of The Rooster of Gaul, Dave? No. Okay, well, at this point, the film, it goes completely black, and we see a tiny speck of light in the distance that grows larger uh, as dramatic orchestral music plays until we see a bronze medallion of a swastika visible. Okay? Whoa. And at this point, you're like, well, this is getting interesting. A little schwas for stash. <laughs> now... Before we go any further, little Swisties. Before we go any further, the Nazis, I'm sure you're aware, they appropriated of course, the swastika. Uh, yes. And uh, I remember from a being a Hindu young. Symbol. I don't remember exactly where, but I remember being like 13 
And my parents took me on a trip to the Four Corners. And uh, we went to Mesa Verde, and we learned about the Anasazi Indians. And I saw a bunch of swastikas on them. Fun. And I was like, whoa, were these guys Nazis? Yeah. I was 13 and making a joke. And then my parents explained to me, no, Hitler took yeah. you know, the swastika and made it into his own. Well, anyway, the camera pulls back from the swastika, and it twists around, and then we see this bronze sculpture, and it has sharp claws, a beak, and there's a young girl in agony. And this, this you're looking at this now, right? Yes, I am looking at it. I believe so. <laughs> and then we see the scaly tails on this yeah. thing. I don't see any swastikas on it, though. Well, that's probably because that's where they start in the when they're showing it. It's just part okay. of it. It's in okay, the middle. Yeah, I'm looking for it. And uh, you know, I love a good swastika. Uh, Sukalski says, There are three serpents here. Their tails creep to the French girl, Marianne, to destroy France. But the rooster jumped in between the evil serpents and her, saves her, and alters course of history. Now, he has a little piece of it, he's got a little miniature of it in his home. Okay, uh, but the main one we're assuming has been lost to history. Uh-oh, we into a little treasure hunt? Well, you got to remember some things were going on in the 30s and 40s in Eastern Europe, uh, okay, which we'll get to in a minute. A lot of heirlooms maybe being taken or smashed even. Well, Lena says this vision he had in a little apartment in Burbank, it is so elaborate because he wanted to make it huge. He wanted to have it put in front of the Notre Dame in Paris as a thank you to the French for giving us the Statue of Liberty. Okay? Wow. So it wasn't a lost piece. It was so a piece. Be- well, do you know, what do you know about sculpting, just so, so I'm curious? You, uh, that's a very vague question. Well, you look at these pieces and broad, they're bronze. Broad question. They're bronze, okay, right? Bronze, okay. That's not what you work out of. To make sculptures. No, no. You you cast it, I suppose. Correct. So, you know, you usually get your plaster of Paris or something okay. equal, and then okay. that's how you sculpt, and then you have it cast as, as you're looking at it now into the bronze that it is. Yeah. Well, Glenn says, monuments... Seems difficult. It's not. Well, the sculpting part is extremely difficult. The bronzing yeah. isn't the hard part. Yeah, the filling, you're basically... Well, Glenn says monuments are possible. I mean, how else do they get built? Well, somebody comes up with the idea and says, I want to build a big monument here. Well, in the 30s, Stash was commissioned by the Polish government to build a huge monument. It's crazy. Dude. And it was going to be two stories tall. Okay. Oh. And then what are you made at? Like, what's the plaster made out of? That's like, a really good question. No wonder. That's a really good question. Well, it, when I saw this thing, it reminded me of the Alien films. But how big is it? Well, it's just a little tiny thing in his house. Oh, but I'm just saying, like, how big is the original one that he made? A little tiny thing in his house. Oh, he, never, oh, he imagined it to be. Yeah, it's he like it you start big. with this. And you sure, say, this sure, is what sure, it's sure, going to sure, be. Sure. Give me the money, and then I'll make it two stories tall. Uh, got it. But when I saw this, it immediately made me think of, is it Rick Baker who did all the Alien-like stuff? No, H.R. Geiger. That okay. dude. Okay. The dude that did all the background the f- stuff the for fake. aliens. Oh, you mean oh, that's what his work really remind me of. Okay. Okay. So then we go to the 30s and the late 30s, and Piotr says 14 years old. <laughs> the, the, the Piotr says, now here we have a different Zukowski and a different Poland. 
Okay, Europe is plunging more and more into nationalisms and militarisms, just like today. And Timothy Snyder, he's our uh, scholar who wrote the author of Tyranny, 20 Lessons from the 20th Century, says, Pilsdusky has died in 1935. And you have the so-called government of colonels. Now, he was the head of Poland back then. They are following a much more authoritarian constitution that explicitly excludes non-Poles. So you essentially have an ethnic authoritarianism in place. Now, this is interesting because we're never, I was never taught anything about Polish history, you know, during the war. And I, I really enjoyed this part of the movie because I got to learn a lot more about, you know, Poland and the Slavic territories around it. And Piotr says, Zukowski starts to be perceived as an asset, as the person who can create a national art that would have an aggressive element in it as a sort of answer to Nazi art. Okay? Fun. So he gets the summoned. The alternative. He gets summoned to Poland yes. in 1935. They're like, come out here. You're the goat. We need you to create images that are equally as powerful as what we're seeing next door in Germany, okay? Right. So they go out there, Stas and Joan, and they take everything they own and they move to Poland. And he took all his drawings, all of his sculptures, his entire life's work. This is back in the day where, you know, you put it in steamer trunks, you know, you go across the boat and you end up in Warsaw. And Ben Hacked, says he was given more commissions than any sculptor could execute in three lifetimes. Wow. Okay? The government gives Sigh him up. this massive studio, okay, to create his art in. And at this point, proclaimed it as a national Zukowski museum. Okay? So because of this need to create propaganda, if you will, right. the Polish government plucks him out of Los Angeles wow. and says, you got whatever you want, bro. The, 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 wow, the German government did that? No, the Polish. Oh, Polish, right, right, yeah. right, right, right. Well, DiCaprio, sure. DiCaprio says he was working on two pieces of monumental sculpture. One was Bolsalaw the Brave, the first king of Poland, okay. carved out of a single piece of dolomite. And Ooh, that's tricky to dolomite. do. <laughs> yeah, buddy. Hey, bitch, are you for real? I'm looking for the queen, baby. <laughs> what you rolling over there? <laughs> and the other one was uh, a monument to a miner. Not a young person, an actual miner. Now, <laughs> Not a miner, but an actual miner. Yeah. I have been commissioned by Poland. Like a coal miner. To correct? Well, we don't know. <laughs> Gold miner, coal. <laughs> I have been commissioned by Poland to build three and a half story statue in bronze. Well, Heck says the critics of Warsaw pronounced him as the greatest living artist, a triumph as unique as the love and glory that once surrounded Michelangelo. Okay. Uh -huh. These people start hanging around it. They're like, you're the greatest since... Michelangelo. That Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle in purple. Uh, was he purple? I don't know. Yeah, dude. Michelangelo's orange. This Naranja. is the interior of Windmill, 
There was a windmill near the home that we had in Poland. Now, keep in mind, this is from the Betamax footage. And he's got his little nine-inch pointer pointing to a little windmill that he drew. Yeah, a little fucking beta pointer. Well, he and Joan were living in um, a country house outside of Warsaw. And he starts taking a lot of pictures of her. He's essentially the happiest he's ever been in his life at this point. As a Nazi? I mean, uh, as a, a Pol- anti-Nazi Polish Correct. sculptor? He's got money. He's got a studio. He's got time to have all this great sex that he likes to have uh, with John. Naked sex? Yeah, wow. I said great sex. I know. I'm saying naked sex, though. Then I had personal telephone call from Minister Fischer of Nazi Germany proposing that I make project of monument of Hitler and Goering. Yeah. They saw reproductions of my work and they heard of my work. At that time, Europe was not yet bitching about Nazis and Hitlerism. I said, oh, I'd be very happy. So I began to do drawings. So Stas says, well, I'll do it. Send me the check. Got the check, did the drawing, sent it off. And he says it was a really good portrait that he cranked out. And I made a drawing of Hitler as ballet dancer (laughs) in little skirt. Hell yeah, dude. With his pug nose and mustache under his nose. That's hilarious. I received them back, however, with polite saying that they don't think they can use the idea. Now, the crime, if there is one in this film, is we never got to see his work of Hitler in a dress. Because that would be hysterical to me. So he's got some balls on him. Now, I'm guessing he got away with this because at this point, Hitler wasn't waving the big guns around yet and saying, we're going to destroy you. He's just trying to, you know, build up his propaganda machine and uh, went next door and said, hey, uh, you know, do one of me. Yeah. (laughs) So anyway. Did you do that? Yeah, I just said he did it wow. in a ballerina dress and then oh. sent it back to Hitler. Oh, since so actually, oh, I think you're talking about like the Polish government was commissioning him to send the Hitler. No, Holy no, no, no. Shit. Hitler called him and That's said, hilarious. I hear I you the shit. Yeah. Word on the street is you do some really That's good sculptures. Hilarious. I want one done of me and Goering. And then he's like, all right, I'll do you one. It's and here funny. it is. It's in a. Was he already killing people by that point, though? I just said yeah. he was not <laughs> killing people. That's why he did the work. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Let's go. Go on. Well, Ben Hack says, whenever Adolf Hitler makes a speech that individualism must perish from the earth, I always think of Stanislav Sukalski. I have a feeling that if Adolf and Stanley ever got together for a talk, Adolf would end by fleeing into the night and renouncing all of his dark projects as a lost cause. Well, Ben Hacht had written about Stas so glowingly, he must not have known and was fooled like the rest of us. Okay? Yeah. Wow, people were fooled. You're a kind of person you are, and I never betrayed. I never did anything that would deserve to go to hell or be condemned. Well, the film then shifts to the late 30s. And at this point, we're seeing black and white video footage and photos from Poland. Uh, and, you know, uh, Zukowski's hanging out with the Horned Hearts. 
Yeah. And they all have their little tights <clears throat> on. Sweethearts. They're hanging out at the galleries. Yep. And, you know, it's, it still looks like it's a hop in time sure. for the Galsk. Yeah. Well, Dr. Hob Leszczyslaw Lemensky, he's a biographer of the Galsk. Oh he says, Galsk. Lots of hills and valleys in these names. Galsk realized that the horned heart needed its own press to express and defend its ideas. So Sukalski started publishing leaflets. Each of those articles was aggressive language, invented words, attacks on the church, even anti-Semitic statements. Nah. We see a translated <laughs> portion of nah. an article that says, away, and it's in caps, communists from around the world, exclamation point, Old people from social life, exclamation point. Can't blame them there. I hate, I mean, old people can really bring you down. Yeah. Jews from Poland, exclamation point. Now you're kind of crossing the line, right? Right. Clergy from politics, exclamation point. Well, Snyder says he writes about people who like his work and they're all nice. You know, he refers to them as clean poles. Oh, one pole rule them all. And then... People that don't like his work, he claims they're Jewish. Well, Piotr says, Poles of the Jewish background... Are they? What's that? Are they Jewish? What? The people that don't like his work? Yeah. No, that's just his defense. Oh, got it. Are some I wasn't there. <laughs> okay, maybe. I feel like there are a lot of Jewish people in Poland. <clears throat> well, Poles of the Jewish background were very assimilated. What... Like, what, what could your art possibly be that people would be offended by it? That's a very I, good I question. I said even back in the day, like yeah. naked bodies. Buddy, I already but told you, that. I was offended by this shit when I first saw it because I said, this is what dirtbags do. That's what reminded me of all the losers in high school. It's just not for me. It seems know, like it's, it's very beautiful. difficult to make. I you mean, have to make the opposite. What do you mean opposite? A, you have to make a cast. Yeah. Yeah. No, 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 no. Not the opposite. No, no, no. Like you, have to like you start with your plaster. You uh, shape it, uh, okay? Uh, you so you're not it. working backwards, uh, okay? okay? plaster, I see what you mean. That's right. <laughs> I was a fucking idiot. That's <laughs> and then that makes so much more sense. Yes. So you thought this guy was a genius because no, no. he was doing everything backwards? Uh, no, you're, I, was, I, I knew I was missing a step. Mm-hmm. Well, Buddy, you're missing more than a step. <laughs> hey. Okay. Hey. Poles of the Jewish background, very assimilated, played a very central role in Polish culture. This was a fact that he had problems dealing with. Well, Professor Hab says Zukalski thought that economical and cultural branches did not prosper in a proper way because Poles were pushed away by Jews who dominated them. I don't know if this was his idea, but they placed economic unity flyers on Christian and Catholic shops, which were stickers with axe eagles. And Snyder says, maybe that, by paying attention to it, you and I or your crew are doubling the total readership that Crack ever had. Okay? Now, Crack is probably, you're saying, what's well, Crack? Yes. Well, he went to the printing press with his little leaflets and, you know... This was his cause. Okay. Now, 12 issues were printed in small circulation. Uh, we're talking 501c3s? 
<laughs> Is that what we're talking over here soon? Five hundred one c three skin five. But this guy had uh, access to as much money as he wanted. He was probably just using the Polish treasury. But okay, but so where is he living now? Right now he's living. He's in Warsaw. Okay, okay, okay. He's got Which a studio. Poland. Poland. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> just want to make sure. Okay. Fucking what the fuck? Well, so he gets these twelve issues printed and starts passing them around. These are the leaflets. And Snyder says, the question is not, is crack important? That's what it was called, the little leaflet. I don't think crack was. The question is, how does it fit in? So the book's name is crack. Yeah. Okay. It's just random to me. Yeah, no. It, it 19, is a little, what year? This is late 30s. Wow. Yeah. He called his book crack. I don't know what it means in Polish, but maybe, like it's, it, maybe uh, it's like the Irish people. They're like, what's the crack? Uh, you I know? wonder how it's spelled. K-R-A-K? Crack. 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 All right. Well, the Polish authoritarian government was dancing. It like an automatopoeia to him. Crack. <laughs> it's like crack of the bat. <laughs> you know, like crack, crack. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> All right, cool. The Polish authoritarian government was dancing a dangerous dance. The public opinion, which is anti-Semitic, is now allowed to rise to the surface and become part of official government doctrine. I think it's fair to say that crack was partaking, I think, in its very modest way, honestly. But it partook in the creation of a general atmosphere among some Poles, which made it easier for people to imagine a world without Jews. As soon as you're in that world of imagination, you're flirting with violence. Now, we see... Uh, newspapers that read nationalism cast Polish Jews aside and three Jews slain in Polish rioting. Well, DiCaprio Sr., he comes in at this point and says, when we started this documentary, no one had any idea that these things had happened. We were all blindsided, disillusioned, especially those who knew him in those days. No, he was not the man that we had all envisioned him to be. We lost a friend that never existed. I suppose, and we also thought of Ben Hecht, how betrayed he would have felt if he knew about this. Well, we hear Ben in an old recording, and he says, it is unprofitable for the Jew to look at history's heroes or philosophers without skipping a little. He is apt to only see monsters, I suspect that if you examine any of these men carefully, you will find he is no soul in torment, but a coin with two sides. He can cash in on his virtues and his evils at separate counters. Well, George says Zukalski apparently shape-shifted to suit the situation. Crack- I'm a chameleon. <laughs> Karma chameleon. I said, I'm a comedian. I said, karma, karma, chameleon. Uh, okay. Crack was published in Poland. What does that mean, though? Karma, chameleon. It's the name, right? It's a fucking Boy George song, bro. I know, but what is it? Karma, 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 I, karma, I, I, karma, I chameleon. I don't know what it fucking means. Go ask Boy George. I thought it meant something. No, it's just know, karma, chameleon. Music nerd. Anyway, Crack was published in Poland at the same time Ben Hacked was in America, bringing the realization of the horrors that were going on in Europe. And we hear Ben reading from a book he wrote called 1001 Afternoons in New York, which was published in 41. Reading his own book? 
Huh? He's reading his own book? Yeah. Oh. That's what people... People do that today. <laughs> What's I guess wrong with so. reading I your own book? Like you ever been to weird. a... You've never been to a, a book Read reading before? And, what? No, never been to a book reading. Sorry. Okay. Well, it happens. Ben, ben says this. Pussies. I write of Jews today. Yes. I, who never knew himself as one before, because that part of me, which is Jewish, is under violent and ape-like attack. Ah. with no friend in the world to cry shame or stop. Well, we see some headlines that say we all stand before the bar of humanity, history, and God. We will be judged blood guilty if we do not create the machinery to save the Jewish people of Europe. Governmental agency prerequisite for action. Now, we also see multiple photos mounted on cardboard with the following captions. Two of 60 Jews injured in Pritzek pogrom. Now, you know what a pogrom is? No. New word for me, too. It's an organized massacre Ooh. of a particular ethnic group, right. in yes. particular that of Jewish people yes, in yes, Russia yes, yes. or Eastern Europe. Heard of this word. And then we see uh, a picture of these victims of the 90, 1936 pogrom, and it's subtitled A Funeral for Victim of Pogrom in Pritzek, Poland, 1936. Well, Ben Hack devoted nearly a decade to sounding the alarm about the plight of Jews in Europe. Now, this is pre-war, obviously, and he wrote editorials, plays, and books on the subject. Well, later, he took the proceeds from these works and secured passage to Palestine for 900 Holocaust survivors uh, on a ship they uh -huh. named the SS Ben Hecht. Oh, so he's kind of like his own little Schindler's wow. List. Cool. You know, I'm surprised I've never heard that story. You know, tell Steven Spielberg, come out with a little hex list. Okay. Well, DiCaprio says, I believe Ben Hecht didn't know how Sukalski had disguised a lot of his beliefs. This makes it a double tragedy. And Ben says, prejudice is a symptom that can thrive in the most acute and enlightened minds as it can in the darkened thoughts of fools. All right, let's speed up a little bit to 1939 in Warsaw. And Glenn braced as Stash told me this story that one day he was walking towards his big studio and he looked up above and in the blue sky, he saw little puffs of white clouds. Well, we hear these engines roaring overhead oh, and we, sirens wailing. I was hoping. You were hoping what? It's a fucking clouds, baby. No, it's we the clouds. German. It's the German Luftwaffe. Oh. Okay, <laughs> oh, doesn't sound those, cool. Those are the wrong kind of clouds. Yeah, Luftwaffe sounds like a tough group to to run into. In the Remember 30s we and talked 40s? about last week's episode, and you yeah. asked me who Hermann Göring was, and I answered. Yeah. Who's Hermann Göring? Luftwaffe. What does he do? Psh, high up in the Lufovskis. <laughs> Herman Goring was yeah, in yes. charge of the Luftwaffe. Dude, Goring is a terrible name for the killer, dude. Just Goring motherfuckers. All right. Goring. So Stosh. Did you get the joke, Goring? Yes. Okay. Yeah, Stosh Gore. runs inside the studio, okay? And then he ran to cover the statue of Boleslaw with burlap sacks, okay? Uh -huh. Well, Are they steal it? roughly a fifth of the city is destroyed in this bombing. We're uh -huh. talking 25,000 people, uh -huh. all right? And it's almost been completely forgotten from history. Okay. Well, the studio was hit with a Luftwaffe bomb, 
and all of his paintings and sculptures and bronzes were obliterated. Oh, no. And who's, this is all who's, the, the Galsks, Gals, all of his work. I just want to make sure. All so, of it? Well, yeah, including uh, Boleslaw the uh, Brave. Okay? Yeah, well, I'm looking at it. And that, that topples over him and nearly crushes him. How big is that thing, you think? Let me see. I can, you can tell see, me. I don't see dimensions on it. Well, he's. it was big enough to bury him under the rubble for two days. Okay. A pussy. Well, and again, this is his account. Who knows if it was really, it, it is what the account was. You know, I mean. I mean, it doesn't look that big, but yeah, okay, go on. Anyway, he, he manages to looks crawl. Looks heavy as fuck, I'll tell you. He manages to crawl out. And um, then he and Joan, they, ha- they head tail it, hightail it rather, to the American embassy. And they hid out in the basement there. Okay. Now, at this point, we hear Joan Sugalski's letter to her parents from the American embassy. And she says, Dearest mother, dad, and Carol, you no doubt received a message from Mr. Burklaud of the American consulate informing you of our safety. Well, at this point, the, the embassy's in ruins you know the whole okay. the whole place is shot to shit right. so he's got to go out and forage okay for like food right okay and he wow. had no idea how long this is going to go on like fucking this is the german rab- invasion of hunting, poland rabbit hunting and shit yeah the Score. germans are invading poland bro it's heavy dude okay it's heavy stuff man now you got to remember when the germans went in yeah their their plan was just to eliminate them okay yeah and make it impossible for them ever to ever exist. Oh, great. And through that, they were all about destroying cultural, pol- uh, Polish sure, cultural history. Sure, sure, yeah. Okay? You see that even today? Yeah, but they're exterminating. They're murdering. Oh, yeah, of course. Okay? And their goal is to go after the thinking class, okay? Because, of course, those are the people in power. That's how they always do it. Now, at this point, I'm thinking to myself, bro, you kind of brought this on yourself for painting Hitler. In a fucking ballerina dress. You had to know at some point this was gonna come back to haunt you. Yeah, so maybe they weren't the smartest and the brightest. <laughs> so anyway. He so says the ones who got killed. <laughs> one of my horned heart boys, Boratinsky, was executed by the Germans. When I get emotional, my voice cracks. Oh. Well he said <laughs> cracks hat. Crack. <laughs> he said get it? what we get got. It? Get your suitcases. We're going to get out of here. And the Nazis are coming in one direction, and the Poles are going in the other directions. And he said, let's walk through them as he and Joan are leaving Warsaw. And then he suddenly sees them gunning down the great uh, orator. Now, do you know what the orator is, Dave? No. It's an Etruscan bronze sculpture from the late second or third early first century. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Say that one more time. It's an Etruscan bronze sculpture uh-huh. from the late second or the early first century okay. BC. You didn't okay. let me yeah, finish. Yeah, That's okay. probably why you okay. got confused. Okay. No. Um, it was made by Alus Metellus, who was an Etruscan senator in the Roman Republic. Um Probably, they don't know. He was either from uh, Perugia or Cortona. Oh. And the sculpture itself was found in 1566. Wow. With the exact location still being debated to this day. Okay. But anyway. Where was it found? I just told you. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think I missed it. Yeah, you did. 
so anyway, that thing's got a lot of history and uh, is. Oh, what do they call it in the art world? Provenance. Oh, provenance. Yeah. Proven- provenance. Yes. Provenance. 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 It was, anyway, it was 177 kilometers from Rome. That's where that place was. Sounds like a cool movie. 177 kilometers to Rome. Yeah. <laughs> it was like a nice action well, romantic comedy. You can still see this statue. Uh, it's exhibited in the National uh, Archaeological Museum of Florence. Now, Dave, I want you to pull up a piece of work he did titled 20th Century Deluge. Yes. Okay. I see it now. Ooh. Well, as you can see, this is a bronze very relief. Futuristic looking. Yep. Future ancient futurism. That's what I thought. I thought it looked like ancient alien shit. Yeah. Well, it's here's the thing. It looks like a triangle. I might be doing a little of what they call foreshadowing in the business. Wow. When I say ancient aliens. And I want you to think about what that could mean. I see. I do see a swastika on this one, too. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck. Oh, boy. Well. That's a problem. As you can see, it's an image. It is quite discreet, though. Well, as you can see, it's an image of a female lioness figure. Okay, let me get it closer. Okay. Okay. She's breastfeeding two children. Sure. Well, those children represent the United States and Europe. Interesting. And the European child is starving because the breast has had two arrows shot through it. Yeah. The tragedies that took place in Europe, just like a consistent pulse or a sob through the entire body of work of Zukowski. I mean, it's still pretty fucking sick. I mean, aside from the stupid swastika. Yeah. It's a fucking awesome piece. Well, we so see wait. more. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, is it safe to own a Zukowski? Oh, yeah. Okay. We're going we're gonna to talk He's about that. He's redeemed himself? We're going to talk about that okay. at the end. Okay. So we see headlines. His masterpiece is smashed in Polish ruins. Sculptor back sans art country money. Well, Stas and Joan, at this point, they come back to the U.S. and they only have three suitcases to their entire name. And Glenn says, after losing his life's work, I don't know how in the what's, world... What's in the suitcases, though? Clothes. Okay. Toothbrushes. I bullshit them, Okay. Fucking Nazi gold. <laughs> well, I was just saying. No, you could say, "Oh, you only had three suitcases of hundred dollar bills with them." It's like, okay, it's a different story. Well, obviously, that's Glenn's whole meant. point it, is after he puts in all this amazing work, yeah, and he it gets bombed and blown up. How did this guy not have a nervous breakdown? Well, Stas says um, everything was looted, destroyed, and now I have nothing left. And what year is this again? This is thirty nine. All right. Wow. The beginning yeah. of the war. Yeah. Yeah. I have nothing yeah. left to show to exhibit my works. Wow. Well, he lost the struggle. Oh, no. Uh-huh. And Glenn says, I always wondered what the other side of that moon looked like. He never photographed the back. I know there were hundreds of pieces that were never published in those 20s books that nobody had ever seen. After that point, you might as well say they cleared the slate of Zukowski. Now, I think about this and I wonder... How many other people has this happened to? You know, when throughout history, great arts are plundered, as we know, and taken yeah, as bo- all those books booty, shit booty as library, they say. Library was burned down, too. Which one was that? I don't know. There was a couple of them. Yeah. <laughs> Alexandria. So, yep. The point is... There's probably another one, too. There's that old saying that... Uh, 
who are the people that write history? The victors, sure, and shit like that. Right now, and this doc in itself is amazing because you're hearing a completely rewritten story about a guy whose life was over and never would have been told had Glenn not found his work and that piece of Copernicus and the book dealer who didn't know him saying, oh, he lives right down the road. So that's fascinating to me that a little happenstance moment like that can turn on an entire generation. And now we have the internet, and all that shit's useless. No, it's Unique, not. Uniqueness is useless. Or you're, valuable, I you're, can't You're tell. a downer, bro. Nah, I'm just joking. Anyway, it's actually unique. I don't, know. I don't fucking know. There are a handful of pieces that survived in American collections, but the vast majority was completely destroyed in the war. Now, at this point, the Galsk and Joan, they're poor, and they, what they would do is they'd live in like one bedroom houses or, sm- you know, tiny houses. Yeah, I get it. Um, <laughs> I get it. Well, don't forget, they got a kid named yeah, Kalinka. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, the Kalinka girl, she wants nothing to do. Okay. With what? Her family. Oh. So she's, she's out of the picture. She takes off. Oh, no, that's mean. Yeah. And How old is she? They don't say. Oh, boy. But Lena says, we tried to find Sounds her. Sounds like she was swooped up by a... Or maybe just buried in the backyard. Who knows? Oh, An extra boy. mouth to feed. I don't know. Oh, boy. The point is, you've got heartache, bro. Your work is gone, and then your daughter takes off because she doesn't want anything to do with you. I mean, granted, she was of age. She was probably in her 20s, but she just bolted. It's weird. So it got really got me thinking, like, what's her life like? Where did she go? Why did she not want anything to do with this amazing gift of the 20th century in the art world? So anyway, um, Lena says, I don't remember where I heard this, but Joan had been pregnant sometime before the war and she must have lost the baby and they never had a child afterwards. And I felt sorry for sometimes, but I don't think she felt sorry for herself at all. She really loved him. And of course, it was really hard for them to go through. But I think she kind of just took it in stride and definitely took it better than Stoss did. I have died in Los Angeles, which I regard the cultural Siberia of America, Southern California. You're not wrong. No. <laughs> no. No, not at all. Stas worked at Rocketdyne, and Rocketdyne, they make what, Dave? Hamburgers. Fucking rockets, bro. Oh. So what he uh, would do... Rock and Dine. Oh, you, t- <laughs> 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 you thought Stas was a busboy at Antibabix? Yeah, Antibabix. Good reference, dude. So, nice little LA ref. He made maquettes of landscapes and land maps for them. So they describe it as like basically working in a cannery for this genius mind. Sure. And he says, living in Los Angeles, I became totally unknown. No paper would never mention me. And because he had a Polish name, he said that's why people didn't take him seriously. He says, what's with these yeah. Polish jokes? He needed, like, some, like, he needed a rebranding. We're so stupid. We're so lazy. That's why they're throwing out there for people to pick up on us. Well, we see on the screen, 
a book titled The Official Polish Joke Book, written by Larry Wilde, author of the world's best-selling joke book series. And it's got a picture of a Polish guy drunk in a bathtub. Do you remember those books when you were kids? They'd be like a thousand and one Polish jokes. Oh, yeah. I mean, not not a specific Polish one, but one Pole rule of all was something like from that sort of. There's still kind of, there might be some little racy ones here and there. There definitely were racist ones for oh, sure. Dude, the there were that, Jewish ones. There were Polish ones. Uh, yeah. Can you believe that people actually printed that stuff? Like you could go to a bookstore and be like, yeah, hey, it's America. Yeah. Of course, yeah, I can fucking But like walking in for even saying that. It's the concept is they don't exist anymore. They yeah, were there. Well, yeah. You can't walk into a Barnes Noble and say, hey, can I get the 10th edition of 1001 there's Jew a lot jokes? Of reasons, there's a lot of reasons why they don't exist. What's Well, what's the main reason? I mean... Society's changed? Because freedom of the, speech is still the there. You can still sell is, them if the, you wanted the to. The main reason is probably they didn't sell all that much anyway. No, they were, they were huge I mean, sellers. I guess they're so free. It's just free. It's just you just... Got to pay for the price of printing, and then you're making your money back. All that shit's free use. No, I think it's jokes. because people get educated, uh, you know, as time goes on, and they realize maybe we shouldn't be selling this. Sure, you can go print it, but we're not going to sell it that, for you. That's true too, but so, five sold. Yeah, uh, buddy, if you go online right now, Amazon I'm sure you can buy them on them. eBay. Yeah, you can sell anything on eBay except you're body right. Parts. I mean, like you're right. You're able to get that shit like Barnes and Noble. <laughs> And then Barnes and Noble started selling the wokest Doctor Seuss books, and you saw never saw those come back. Yeah, I'm gonna have get you. you I'm gonna get you a thousand and one jokes dude, for you, your birthday. Oh, you just got to tell me what race you want them on, and I'll get yeah, them for you, Asian just people. to see if I can buy it. Asian okay. No, look, the dude, the most recent Doctor Seuss books mm-hmm. would disgust you. They're all like climate change bullshit. Oh, it's so gross. Doctor Seuss is dead. Yes, Chris. So who's writing Doctor, for Doctor I don't know if Doctor's Seuss? Ever even existed? Probably not. It's got to be a psyop, dude. A psyop, baby. Okay, let's move on. Children of Europe that are in America, second class, that you look down on them. I am foreigner in this country always, even if I am American citizen. Well, time to meet Roman Romanovowitz. Well, that's Sukalski's nephew, and he's an architect. And he says, after 1957, Zukalski was able to return to Poland to design a monument commemorating the heroes of the Warsaw Uprising. Well, Zukalsk, per usual, designed a great project on an enormous scale. But it, the competition did not end well for Zukalski. Because Poles are the most envious of human beings I have ever met in my life. They would rather die than compliment a friend who does something well. Well, at this point, after the war in the 50s, Zukalski becomes taboo in Poland, okay? And you got to remember, after the war, Polish communism is installed in 1944 and lasts until when, Dave? Stalinism, uh, <laughs> probably 85. 84. 89. That's when the wall came down. Well, Piotr says Zukalski was a nationalist. That is something that was perceived by the communists as a potential danger. And Poland is basically just shut him out at this point. Right. 
Poles have destroyed me, but America doesn't want me. I am alone. I am a patriot without a country. He starts crying at this point. Pussy. I'm not a bigot. I am a patriot, American or Polish, because if you combine two, three nations, your heart is larger. And what year is this now? He's this is in the uh, early 80s He's when Glenn's this. taking pictures of yeah, him on yeah, the Betamax. Yeah, 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 yeah. Your capacity to understand is deeper. Well, Lena says he did believe in humanity. And the Zukalski from before the war maybe was different. I don't recognize him at all. And Glenn says trying to get him to talk about his past was like pulling teeth. Stash never brought these old crack books or any of the other Polish materials that he did back in the 30s. Right. You know, I think he was probably maybe ashamed of it because he didn't show any of it to me. Uh-huh. We see how we did. Eight million Jews were exterminated by predators. I never heard an anti-Semitic word come out of his mouth ever. In fact, it was honestly the opposite. Well, next we meet a sculptor by the name of Sandy Decker. What's your feeling on this at this point? Sandy Decker. Do you think he's... Sounds like a terrible do you sex think position. He's, do you think he's a guy that is trying... I thought it was a woman, but okay. Not Sandy Decker, the Galsk. Okay. Do you think he was, deep down, a nationalist and a racist? Or do you think he was caught up in a frenzy, became part of a movement... And then changed his beliefs. Are you saying so? Are you talking about a, a Polish person that hated Jews that just kind of sort of sided with the Nazis a little bit? But yeah, it was like, no, fuck that. That what they were doing was wrong. You're right. Do you yeah, think sure, he's that could happen? Yeah, because at this point, I was like, I don't think there's any coming back from this. And I thought about it, and I was like, if you get caught, anybody can get caught up in a movement. Ben Hacht has that great line about how racism can affect the feeble-minded, and not just racism, uh, evil, uh, and also the very smart and intellectual people. You know what I mean? Yeah. So <laughs> it's the duality of man that I find so fascinating about this guy. Um, we're going to get close to the... We're getting close to the end, so you will find out if he redeems himself. Now, uh, well, Sandy... They, they did a Netflix documentary on him or whatever. They did a what? Is it Netflix? Yeah. They, well, they, did, they allowed it to be on the documentary. So there's some kind of redemption arc, isn't there? Eh, maybe. Okay. Good I point. mean, it's still interpretive, in my I opinion. Suppose. Okay. Well, Sandy Decker says at one time Zukowski, as a token of admiration, oh, your gender's interpretive. <laughs> created yeah, got him. One of his small relief plaques of a menorah. Ah. He inscribed it in Hebrew The nation of Israel is alive. Wow. We see it. It's a very beautiful piece. His view got wider because he was living in the United States and he became more of a universal artist. Uh, well, next we see him. He's like the guy from, uh, what's the movie? The movie. Yeah. Oh, he's from the, the movie. movie. The racist movie? Yeah. What's the name of that one? That Norton. Oh, the American X. American X. American History Performed. X. Did you believe him to be? Well, that's Performed? a movie, Dave. Wow. Based on a true story, maybe? It's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's Hollywood making money. Okay, good point. Good point. They never won a basketball game. Got the point. Got the point. Um, he's, at another, he's at his Betamax uh, camera in front of his easel. This is the citadel of freedom to commemorate martyrs that were defending their country. Every relief will be a hero 
of one of the free nations of the world. And he's got this drawing, right? And it looks like the Colosseum almost. It's this massive piece. And you can see the reliefs that he's created with all these you yeah. know, survivors. It's very beautiful. All right. And Glenn says, well, Stars told me many times that he didn't believe in boundaries. He thought if you were a citizen, you were a citizen of the world. And Stas says, we usually scorn people from who we do not know. Once we know them, we like them. We even love them. You should be large enough to take all nationalities. Well, he did a piece called A Spiral in the 1960s. And you see footprints coming out of the mud, growing at a snail's pace. And it's building things. It's building cities. You can look this up if you want. It's called A Spiral. And you go around and around. Or a helix. And it evolves into a human. Possibility of renewal. Well, somebody says, what is Zukowski? Is Zukowski a few passages in a journal, which nobody really read in the 30s, meaning crack? Or is Zukowski the whole life of Zukowski? the California, the various friends, the reimagination of self. And I really love that point. Okay. This idea that you can recreate yourself, which is the quintessential American story. Yeah. Uh, The the second act of Uh an American life. Yeah. So I failed badly for 40 years. I am no more a sculptor. I had to give up my profession. He didn't have a studio. He doesn't have any materials. He doesn't have money. So yeah. he saw another calling. Okay? I Venice spent, Beach. I think this one's going to throw you for a loop. I don't think you're going to see this one coming. Okay. I spent 40-some years and made greatest discovery that man has ever made in human history. Okay. Any guesses? No. I thought you'd say the earth was flat. Greater than Copernicus, this discovery. People in Egypt, in Mexico, in Greece, in Japan, in Korea, in Tibet, in Africa, in India, they all came from one place, Easter Island. Ah. From that land that is perished. Well, he creates... There was a lot of debate about Easter Island in this (laughs) earlier this week. He creates what is called... Zermatism. And okay. it's the name Zerm. that Zukowski gave to a project that essentially rewrote the course of human history. Anthropology, art history, zoology, and astronomy all wrapped up into one. So what he did is he starts going through images of books from ancient cultures and finding artifacts from around the world. This guy, Dave, at this point when you're watching this, because you see all this shit that he's got like created, he reminds me of the original Ancient Aliens, dude. Okay. And what he would do is he'd find magazines in trash cans and he would start scrapbooking, okay? And he's searching for the all-time first element that would be a common connector for all these different cultures, right? And George says, see, this occurs here, it occurs here, it occurs here, it's in China, blah, 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 everything's connected. They all represent the same things to all these people. Well, 
he wrote 54 volumes of this book uh. that claimed everybody is connected to Easter Island. Wow. Okay? I want to read it. <laughs> he didn't buy read all of them. He didn't <laughs> buy folders. He actually plastered all of his pages together and let it sit up and then he put a binding over it and then mm -hmm. drew pictures showing what was inside and did over mm -hmm. 40,000 drawings. Okay? Sounds, sounds... They show them in, in the background of the Betamax. Wow. There's these massive volumes of the yeah, history of the world behind him the so whole time. So is it like transcribed anywhere? Yeah, it's you can read him. He transcribes it. He didn't write it in his own language that he created. He wrote it in English, so it's easily understandable. That's fucking awesome. I want to read them. Well, there's only one copy of the book. <laughs> it's in his house. I was just saying, there's no transcription of it? Like no, it never got published. Oh. And I know more than all historians put together and all archaeologists. All right, great. I want to hear it. So he decided that Easter Island is where everything went down. It was the cradle of hu humanity, not sure. where, Dave, as it's correct, where it's commonly tied to. Between the Euphrates. Correct. And the Nile skis. The island that completely separates everything from human civilization and, of course, is populated. Tigers. By Euphrates. Euphrates and the Tigris, correct. But is, of course, populated by nothing now except those Moai statue that we see. Now, he said, somebody says, I think he retreated to a place that is so remote that the world couldn't destroy his ideas. Okay? This is a fascinating concept. It's kind of like, this is my idea. Go prove me wrong. Who's going to take the time? Yeah. The, to just uh, take, cruise out to fucking Easter Island and well, debunk this. There's something called the uh, burden of proof. That's very true. Typically, there's the burden of proof files on you to make us believe some bullshit. Well, he never <clears throat> went there, bro. He never went where? He never went to Easter Island. Oh, he said he did, though? No. Oh, okay. But he always brought it up and how important it was and that it was the seed of all civilization. Well, maybe you learned something. Okay. Then we had a premonition. Motherland personifies Easter Island. Unbelievable. Well, there's a whole book on tattoos, okay, in one of the volumes, and he referred to tattoos as scum lines, okay? Cool. Now, cool. if you picture a guy's face and there's like a tattoo like right across his face, okay, he said they were scum lines, and the reason that they were lined up in the middle of the face is because the people that were sway, uh, saved from the Great Deluge, they had to swim away. And all the tribes in the world do tribal tattoos are still remembering the Great Deluge. Uh, Deluge, I should say. Deluge. Well, he came to the conclusion that there was actually one system. Deluge sounds like a Boston second baseman. <laughs> <laughs> he comes to the conclusion there's only one system of symbolic meaning that had existed throughout the world before the great flood well then we see him and he says protong is the one language of the earth and i discovered it i will send it to scientific american i hope they will print it now what this year point, is he saying this this is in the 80s when Jesus. fucking glenn finds it All right now, at this point, I shifted from thinking he's this genius sculptor, okay? He's got to re reinvent himself. He regrets the mistakes he made with the, you know, 
the the nationalism and the anti-Semitism. And then I was like, okay, now he's kind of like turning himself into a precursor of the ancient alien guys, like Eric Von Daniken and all those guys. Yeah. And then now he's more like L. Ron Hubbard and just creating a new fucking religion. So I was right when I said cult. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. Well, his Zermatism thing was just flipped out, man. You know, I mean, he flipped off the fucking edge with Zermatism. <laughs> so, ah, what's going on here? Well, this is crazy. There's more this to is all it. Government bullshit. It's means. not. Do you think the government has time yeah, for this on. one guy? Why come does on. everything have to be about the government? So Why can't money. there just be crazy people? So he didn't money. make any money. He died penniless. Good point. Okay. So could we just agree that not everything is about the government? It's about the government. All right. Influence. Well, there's more to it. Okay. But it's involved. It's uh, Yetensini, sons of the Yeti. Okay. Well, Stas believed that in ancient times, apes or ape-like creatures... You know, Bigfoot, Bigfoot, you know, that stuff. He, okay, I mean, that's this guy's words. Yeah. Well, he's just telling the story. He believed that the Yeti raped beautiful human women. Hell yeah. And out of this came this sub race of ugly, ugly people. Whoa. And he believed. My ex-girlfriend was one of them. <laughs> he believed that these people became the criminals of society. Yeah. They are born to kill, to destroy. The ugly, ugly people? To exterminate. The UUP? <laughs> WP? So his theory is these people that were raped by the Yeti, they are the ones that became mass murderers, they became communists, and they became Nazis. <laughs> wow, dude. Okay? The trifects. This may not be true, but these are my silly notions, and my silly notions usually have very good scientific basis. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so sure they do. Clearly, clearly. I mean, how old is he at this point that he's saying? He's in his 80s. All right, so the guy's fucking Biden. <laughs> Why can't he be Trump? It's Trump then. Well, Glenn says at first this is funny. Like, we're looking at it like he's doing a circus act. You know, like, bring out the monkey. But the more you got into it, you realize he's really serious about this. And he's got serious things to say. Now, personally, if I'm Glenn, I don't use the word monkey. I use a different word just in the context of things. And Brian Tucker says what he wants to explain, it seems to me, is what happened to Europe in the 20th century. Which is interesting psychologically if you think about it. Okay? Because... These people that experience the Holocaust and the horrors of war, I mean, they're trying to rationalize what they've experienced. I could see somebody going down uh, this rabbit hole to justify what was the Holocaust. You know what I mean? Sure. He just took a very circuitous route to come up with this theory. Right. And it's out there, to say the least. Well, Glenn says he saw the world in ashes in World War II. He saw the communists take over in Poland, and he just wanted to bring people together. That's what I think he was doing with Zermatism. He was showing we all have a commonality. And Steiner says it's clear that the way he's talking about Jews after the war is different. 
The Jews are instead one source of ancient traditions among other sources of ancient traditions. Jews have suffered much. Each misfortune taught them lesson. Therefore, they acquired certain wisdom. And Snyder says, in history, if people change for the better, it's building on something that's in their past. The continuity is that he's throwing away everything we actually know about history and trying to find his own deeper truth. But he's doing it on the scale of the whole world and not just pulling in the slobs. In any event, it's clear that he does change after the war. And that is worth noting because not everybody does. Well, let's move to 2016. Yeah. Okay. Cool. They're vindicating with him with his insanity. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Which is yeah. kind of kind of ironic, I guess. Unless yeah. we're the actual insane ones and Zermatism is real and we all came from fucking yeah, Zermatism, Easter Island. Was he making money off of it? No. So what was he? He's Zer- just trying to get somebody. To, he here's the thing. Like who I said, who else Zermatists? Nobody. Okay. Just him. We would not know about Zermatism had Glenn not walked into that store and said, wow, I really like this. Who's that by? And the clerk says, oh, that's Zukowski. He lives five blocks away. We would not be hearing any of this had this one event not happened. So Piotr says Zukowski's work became prey to certain strange pagan associations in Poland that also profess a form of of authoritarian right-wing state. Now, obviously, he's speaking of his earlier works. Okay. The Polish far-right today looks back at the 30s as a positive period, as a period full of useful examples. And in that experiment, Zukowski is a piece. And Glenn notes that he's frozen in time over there in Poland. And if he saw the footage of these polls out there today, he'd hate it because Stas was totally against nationalistic ideology at this point. He was done with it. He saw what it did. And Snyder says he's coming back now as a myth of the 30s. Some purified Poland is going to be stronger. And Bray adds, I don't even think they know who Sikorsky is. There might be one or two guys that blog about it, but they don't know the whole story. Now, at this point, the film shows us modern-day white nationalist groups marching with torches in Poland, which is fascinating because I didn't know this was going on. And Like tiki torches? Yeah, they're doing the whole thing like we saw in Charleston, you know, whatever, six uh. years ago. And they're, you know, they're on black, and then they have these shield and axe logos. And, I mean, it looks very, I mean, it's the same shit that we see over here. Sure. But <laughs> he says if you go back to the 30s, this is Snyder, if you look at Zukowski or if you look at other Polish nationalists, you're going to find basically a suicide note. You're going to find an invitation to the abyss. All right, so let's move to 1980. Uh, At this point, Joan gets emphysema. Uh, She smoked her whole life, and she has to go into the hospital. And Stas visits her every day. And uh, Glenn says he brought uh, us home this paper one time, and it was on the back of an envelope of her writing, saying, Stas, they're not taking care of me. 
So he claims that on July 4th, during the day, the staff was just partying it up. That's just bad timing. Ah. Um, and they left her alone. And she died, and he thought it was the most tragic thing ever. Oh. So at this point, tragic. at this point, if it's 1980, he's like 87. Yeah. You know? And Glenn says he called me up. He was hysterical. We went over there. I remember just driving around with Stoss in the back, and he was crying. And there were all these fireworks Smoking going cigarettes. off. <laughs> he didn't smoke. Oh, okay. Um, and there were all of these fireworks going off, and it was surreal and sad. And Lena says, actually, he describes it beautifully in The Portrait of Lotus, where he describes how sad he was while putting this volume together. My most beloved Joan Lee Donovan Zukalski died. Once in an outpouring of despair, I caught my reflection in a mirror and was struck by what had become of my face. In my youth, I was quite handsome, but my perpetual grief has finally irreversibly done its hateful duty in altering me into a face in the crowd. Okay. Glenn says... <clears throat> Quite poetic. It's very poetic. Um, Glenn shows us this drawing and of his collection of the Galsks, and he says, uh, this is my favorite, and it's from 1954, and it's called A Submerged Town. You might want to look it up. Um, he told me the story of this, and uh, it's a man and he's thirsty, and he's in the desert, and he dips his head down into this pond, and he sees a submerged town. And I go, Stosh, that's you. And he kind of went, he said, I don't really think so. And I thought, of course that's you. And it is beautiful. Uh, definitely a piece of surrealism. Yeah. And Ooh, it's kind of cool, yeah. Yeah, it's wow. very cool. Well, so like a human, yeah. After Joan dies, this group of friends that he made, that's all he has left. And, of course, these people started out as admirers, and now they're turning into caregivers because he doesn't have any other friends. And, you know, they go over to his house, and it was just not in good shape. Roaches everywhere. And they'd send him meals on wheels, and then uh, once in a while... They'd send a cleaning lady over, and they take him out to eat once a week. And then we see a picture of Sukalski's handmade sculpture sculpture tools, and they're these like little like odd shaped wooden tools, um, serrated edges, blunt ends, uh, rounded and smooth. They resemble like kind of like little picks too, and shovels, and uh, they're really cool. And Lena says, one day, Glenn and I uh, were at his house, and we saw this armature of coat hangers and styrofoam cups and wood, wooden clothespins. And there was this huge blob on there of dried hydrocol. And Glenn had got him the hydrocol, which is really a, for, a hard form of plaster of Paris. And then a wow. few months, this came out. Now, this is Katyan, The Last Breath. Okay, yeah. Take a look at this thing. Well, Katyan, the last breath. Wow. It's the culmination Heavy. of all his rage and his madness about the Second World War. And it's the story of Katyan, where thousands and thousands of Poles got murdered in the forest of Katyan by the Soviets. Now, these were officers, doctors, lawyers, and all very 
uh, well-educated people and their arms are bound behind them and they got a hammer to their head and then they were shot in the back of the neck. Yeah. That's the most horrible thing for them, of course, but also for the Polish civilization to lose all of its best people. And Zukowski was really, really proud of this. Uh, I think it's the culmination of his life's work. Yeah, it's a nice piece. Robert says, I, I had, how big it is. Uh, it's, they show it because Lena has it. Yeah. And how big are my hands right here? It was just like, man, it's, it's small. It's like Four two feet, feet not even. Feet. It's like two feet by two feet. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Two feet. Robert says, I had an art show and uh, it was my first one man show. And uh, he met, uh, met me there and he got the attention of everybody there. And he lectured there at my art show about him. And Glenn says, you can just tell this guy was pent up to tell a story. And I went over one evening and I said, Stas, you know, I have this camera. What if we start filming you? We could do the Zermatism tapes. So in 82 is when they started filming. Um, and, you know, um, this is when he starts talking about Protong, which is the ancient language. Sure. And you Clearly. Is you that real? We're going to get there. Okay. And then you see that, you know, they do this for a, probably a course of three to four years. And Glenn says he was all for it. And I'd shoot a little bit and I'd put it into his TV and I, you know, I let him go. Yeah. And sometimes it was once a week. Sometimes it was twice a week. And it went on for five years. And I knew I wasn't making them for me. I knew somewhere, someday, somebody would find these tapes and they'd see what was on there and making something out of it, which, of course, is this documentary. And I knew that I saw the frailties. I saw things that made him human. I think it really increased his life by years because he looked forward to it. Kind of like this podcast, Dave. Yes. For you. Yes. Well, over the course of five years, Glenn recorded 200 hours of Zukowski discussing his life and his works at his little podium. And Glenn says, we're just sitting around talking in his living room. And he looks at me and he says, the picture. I say, what picture? And he says, the picture. And I say, what, you want to go to the movies? And he says, I give you the picture. Well, the picture he was referring to is the piece that Glenn previously showed um, of a submerged town you know, yeah. which he's convinced is Zukowski. And he says, I wish I could have had the camera and introduced my friend who makes these great pictures, Glenn Bray. They are so good pictures that it's worthwhile braying about. So I made a little joke. And um, Glenn gets a call a month later and um, Stosh is in the hospital and it's bad. So uh, they said... Well, he's paralyzed now. And he goes over there and he's laying in bed and he looks at them and he recognizes them, but he can't move. Um, I shouldn't say that. He can move one of his hands. He's half paralyzed. And he can blink his eyes, but he can't talk. Well, when they found out that he couldn't move after his stroke um, and that he would never be able to work again, um, he just stopped eating and he refused to eat. And Glenn says his eyes were closed and he reached up and he grabbed me and he grabbed me so hard that I had to take his hand off mine. You know, he death gripped him and he died at 93. Ah. And 
Lena says, I didn't like to see him go, but Glenn was extremely distraught and felt like he'd lost a friend or almost a father. And at this point, we learned that Zukalski nominated and appointed Glenn as the executor of his estate. And Glenn says, I had his keys to his apartment and I went over there and opened up the door and I saw right where he'd fallen, right where he had the stroke and he fell against the glass frame and it shattered and he cut himself. And there was blood all over this little section and I looked down and there's this postcard of Copernicus in blood. And that's the image that brought us together and took us apart. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it's, it's, Glenn is struggling. He's crying. You know, he's, sure. This, this guy meant the world to him. And uh, you, you can definitely feel this guy's pain. Well, that's how the movie almost ends. But we learned that struggle resurfaced in Poland in the 1990s. Now, so which one is actually struggled? It's the one that's the, the hand. hand. Just that, that's the one. Okay. Yeah. Now, it apparently had been looted during the war. Okay. And was in a private collection for decades. And Ugh. a group I of. Let's see what else was in that collection. A group of admirers, which were assembled by Glenn and Lena, they got the funds together to buy the piece at an auction. They don't say how much it's worth, and I couldn't find out. Well, in his life, Zukalski planned to cast many of his sculptures in bronze, but he could rarely afford to do so. While as the executor of the estate, Glenn has tried to follow Zukalski's wishes. So in 1998, uh, Robert Williams says, Stas just carried me, carried on about the center of the universe was Easter Island. So we went out to Easter Island, me, Suzanne, Rick, Griffin, uh, and Glenn and Lena. And uh, you see Glenn out there, and he's like, it's a beautiful day on Easter Island. I'm here with some friends. There's six of us to pay uh, homage to Joan Donovan Sukalski and Stanislav Sukalski. And they kind of, well, it's funny. Robert grabs his, his ashes, and he says, they had this big thing of ashes, and it felt like a kilo of cocaine. And uh, then we see the video, and they just scatter his ashes. Um and Suzanne pulls out a tooth of his ashes and they throw it in and uh, they say a nice, you know, little thing. They say, Stash and Joan, may you rest in peace. We love you. Adios. And that's how the film ends. And then we see a camera on its way to Stash's little shitty house. And the camera knocks on the door and Stash comes out and he says, is this bill collectors? Come in. I have something very important to tell you. In fact, it's about history. And then the movie ends. Oh, so, you know, yeah. And like I said, I think obviously it's open to interpretation, what you want to take out of what you believe Stosh to be, whether he was hiding his past or if he redeemed it and um, didn't bring it up. The documentary, uh, I think, is is interesting in the fact that the, these people that loved and admired him didn't know about it and then discovered it. Um, and I think they all forgive him because they were obviously so close to him and knew him as the real person he was, not yeah. a racist. So um, I want to talk before we finish 
about a couple of things because you asked me a couple of things. You said, how much does his works go for? Yeah. Well, I did some sleuthing. I did some sleuthing. (laughs) Sleuth, baby. Now, uh, Glenn Bray does have a website up, and it's simply Zukalski.com. And you can go there. It looks like this. And, you know, it's got books for sale. And then you can see the actual pieces in bronze available. Um, And the interesting thing is, when you click on they them, replicas, well, <clears throat> technically they're not replicas because they will recast all of his works in bronze. Okay. Yes. So you're right. I don't really understand. I guess they're not replicas because so they, they hold, they hold, they hold the castings for all this stuff. That makes sense. Now he likes the old shit. Yeah. Just of what he still had left. Yeah. Like, let's like, say like, how much do you think, how much do you think the fucking struggles worth? Well, the original. Yeah. I'm guessing probably a couple hundred thousand dollars. Okay. That would be my estimate. Now, mm-hmm. there's when you click on the piece that you want to get, um, it says for serious inquiries, reach out to us on sculptures, right? Yeah. So, like you see, there's defense, there's imploration, which we discussed. Oh, you can get that fucking. Well, how much does it say? How much that one is? The fucking the profit? The, no, the triangle one. Oh, the one, the 20th yeah, century deluge. Yeah. Which one is that? How much is that? So it's 20, it's 44 inches by 42 inches. 44 by, and that's life size? For, what do you mean life size? 44. Like, like it's the original size also? Yeah, it's the 44 okay. by 42. 44. So three and a half feet, you oh, know, wow. well, almost four feet. All right, sick. So the problem is they don't sick. have prices listing. So you just hit oh. it on, it says uh, available for purchase, serious inquiries only. Okay. So, you know, you wow. gotta you gotta inquire within. Now I yeah. went on eBay. Okay. Okay. And I found a piece of his that's obviously one of these. And it's one of the bronze sculptures. And it's got a buy it now price of twenty four thousand on it. Okay. So I'm guessing if you want a Galsk and see you it's got a stamp on there with his artist signature, which is in the cast. Yeah. Um, I'm guessing you could probably get one for around 25 grand, maybe a All little right. less if you want to go. That's not bad. Now, um, you'd be cool to get a little replicas of. This is a different thing. Yes, yeah. you could get a replica of this. Yeah. Okay, because it it's the real thing. Technically, yeah. But you don't get a replica of a Pollock. You don't have somebody paint a Pollock for you. Yeah, you have the CIA do it. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit more about Zermatism. Sure. And Proton. Elzerm. The uh, the language that was the original true language. Yeah. Well, I was wrong. He didn't start this in the eighties. He started in the nineteen forty. So he was forty seven at the time, and this is when he begins examining the mysterious prehistoric ancient history of mankind and the formation and shaping of languages, faiths, customs, art, and most. Interestingly, in my opinion, the migration of peoples. So he tried to unravel the origin of geographical names, gods, and symbols that have survived in various forms in various cultures. Now, through his research, he claimed, the doc doesn't discuss this, to have discovered Polish origins for various ancient places and people in a language called Protong. Now, according to Zygalski, Protong could be seen in phenomena 
ranging from the apparent Polish origins of Babylon to Jesus's Polish identity. Now, nothing substantiated here. Sick. So, everybody's got their own Jesus. Yeah, where he gets this, I don't know. This Korean Jesus. Well, the culmination was the book called Protong, uh, translated in Polish, Makamawa. And this is the work that he had in the background that you see at his house that he wrote for 40 years with 42 volumes, 25,000 pages with over, this says 14,000 illustrations, the docs had 40. And the volumes consist of pen drawings of artifacts, which he considered witnesses, okay? And were made to confirm his theories. So it's kind of bullshit. Yeah. But Zermatism was again a postulation that all human culture derived from uh, post-Deluge Easter Islanders who settled in Zermatt, hence the name, and that all human languages could find traces of original ancient mother tongue of mankind, one with archaic Polish origins. And again, the doc doesn't discuss this. So this is a pretty egocentric view of world history because you're just saying the poles were poles were there from the the jump one pole rule them all baby so um in his view humanity was locked uh in an external excuse me an internal struggle for the sons of yeti which again is a shortened version of yet which are the offspring of the yeti and the humans who had enslaved humanity fucking hugs. from time memorial. These are the criminals. And he claimed the that uggos. the figures of the god Pan uh, on Greek vases depict creatures that actually existed, uh, which were the product of Yeti apes raping uh, human women. And Zukalski used his considerable artistic talents to illustrate his theories, which despite their lack of scientific merit, have, of course, gained a cult following largely on their aesthetic value. So that's kind of weird that people are attracted to this because there is some beauty in the way he's constructed the theory as far as, like, you know, the the artwork. But at the, the end of the day, it sounds like pseudoscience to me and just complete trash. But, um, again, Bray and Lena... They they have the executorship of the estate, and um, they created the website. You should check it out. Just go to Zukalski.com, and you can look at all of the works that are available. And there have been exhibitions of his work. Um, Struggle was at the Lug- Laguna Art Museum, and um, the Church of the Subgenius uh, which incorporates the Yetazini element of Zermatism. And then R- Rick Griffin, Richard Sharp, and H.R. Uh, Geiger, and Tool, of all people, were fans. And I found a piece online that Tool used for a promotion for one of their um, um, tours. Oh, okay, cool. It was going for a couple of grand. Cool. And, of course, Fuchs is the one that said uh, Zukalski was the Michelangelo of the 20th century and probably also of an age to come. 
Now, you can see permanent displayed works at the Polish Museum of America in Chicago, but none of the work in Warsaw survived the destruction from World War II. Um, in addition to the Laguna res- retrospective, notal, there was a notable uh, exposition or exhibition titled The Self-Born at Varnish Fine Art in San Francisco, and that was in 2005, and Mantong and Protong, where Zukalski was paired with another unorthodox theorist of Earth history, Richard Sharp Shaver, and that was at Pasadena City College in 2009. So, you know... Um, Fascinating stuff. I was thinking a lot about, maybe I already mentioned this, but right or wrong, whatever you think about his work, I think it was art therapy for him in a way to um, to deal with the war, you know, to deal yeah. with what he survived. I, I mean, wish Hitler would have taken that uh, <laughs> idea a little exactly. more seriously, huh? Yeah. But I mean, we don't know what it's like to be bombed. We don't know what it's like to have... You know, oh, I statue. know what it's like to be bombed. <laughs> That's true. And That's to bomb. True. But, you know, to literally, bomb expert. to literally leave your home country with a couple of suitcases. I mean, fortunately, he was able to leave. Sure. But it's kind of weird because usually you see, you see the opposite version of the story. You see somebody who's super talented that doesn't get recognition until late in life <clears throat> or well past their time on earth yeah and it's almost the exact opposite like he was a prodigy he was world famous but then the war comes in wipes everything out right and history just kind of uh doesn't know about him because his work isn't there for other generations to find and then of course he comes to la and at one point he's working for rocketdyne which would have just been torture for somebody like this sure and you know just just from the works that I've seen. And I encourage our listeners to watch the film because we're only telling you a glimpse of what we saw in this film. There's so many pieces of art that that come through um, the, the documentary that are worth looking at. So ask me, Dave, uh, if you're going to ask me, what do I think this is? This is a four docker. Nice, four out of four. I this, like is, it. this is a rare four out of four. Um, I like it. It's got the work. It's got the redemption story. I personally believe he was a good human who probably made a mistake and then saw the errors of his ways. Sure. Uh, There was, I mean, he's definitely an egomaniac, uh, but a lot of the great ones are, you know? Okay. Uh, But he was also very human. And then when you see him and these older pictures of him and he's dying, yeah, and you think about how tough that would be to basically die. You're not at home, you know, not literally, not in home in a hospital. This wasn't your home. Your home country was destroyed, and they abandoned you. Well, it wasn't. Yeah, it was destroyed, but they turned your back. Their back on you. So right. for that, there's there's a lot. You get a lot out of this. So definitely, in my opinion, check it out. Now, Dave, of course, it is time for me to ask. Based on what I've told you, and more importantly, visually, what you've been able to extract, you're probably going to want to watch this documentary, don't you think? Uh, There's a chance, but um, I mean, (laughs) to be honest with you, I already sit through four hours of it. Right, but you didn't get to see everything. Eh. Okay. I saw some pictures. So it's a maybe. 
Dude, look, dude. I'll take a maybe. It's business and pleasure. You never mix. I'll the take two. a. I'll take a. Never maybe. mix the business and pleasure. Um, couple notes before we leave. I'm, um, here, I'm here learning about fucking flat Earth. Here, come on. You are learning about. I'm, flat I'm Earth? out there learning about. Oh, flat Earth that's what for you're the doing. People. I'm doing it, it for the people. Got it. Um, I'm doing it. Got it for you, so that you don't have to. Can I cut your flat Earth argument to uh, one line? Sure. Here's how you prove that flat Earth doesn't exist. Okay. Tell me. NASA. You send these flat Earthers on uh-huh. a little game show uh-huh. called "Who Wants to Be a Millionaire?" Right. Okay. And the question is very simple. The million dollar question is very simple. Is the earth flat or round? And then you find out what somebody really fucking believes. That's just what the corporate corporations think. Okay. Uh, got a review for this week. This comes from an Apple user by the name of Anger K or A-N-G-R-K. Good here, it's titled. Chris Neff, keep it up, brother. Very entertaining. Sorry, Dave. Oh, it's okay. They didn't have anything negative to say about you, which oh, is what I fine. prefer. It's fine. Um, that just means they don't listen. Next week, uh, teaser time. Yep. We are going to go to the dark side. Nice. Uh, <laughs> all right. We will be discussing a documentary currently on Max, HBO Max called Hail Satan. Ah. So if you want to follow along, get yourself Fun. some get yourself some Hail Satan. It's not what you think. And of course, we want to thank everybody uh for all their contributions on the Discord and on Twitter and of course on Instagram. And if um <laughs> you have any suggestions, please throw them in the Discord under the Doctor Review profile. If you need a link to the Discord, you can always DM me or Dave. Uh, if you can't find us on Twitter or Instagram. And thanks, of course, to Broccoli Farms. And that's a wrap. And we will see you next week with episode 77. Hail Satan.